Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Welcome to the Lit Poetry Podcast and to today's poem, The Solitary Reaper, by William Wordsworth. We'll begin by listening to the poem itself before returning to start our discussion with some biographical information about the poet. This poem is read to you by Michael Sheen. The Solitary Reaper Behold her, single in the field, Yon solitary highland lass, Reaping and singing by herself. Stop here, or gently pass. Alone she cuts and binds the grain, And sings a melancholy strain. Oh, listen! For the veil profound is overflowing with the sound. No nightingale did ever chaunt more welcome notes to weary bands of travellers in some shady haunt among Arabian sands. A voice so thrilling ne'er was heard in springtime from the cuckoo bird breaking the silence of the seas among the farthest Hebrides. Will no one tell me what she sings? Perhaps the plaintive numbers flow For old, unhappy, far-off things And battles long ago. Or is it some more humble lay, Familiar matter of today? Some natural sorrow, loss, or pain That has been and may be again? Whate'er the theme, the maiden sang as if her song could have no ending. I saw her singing at her work, and o'er the sickle bending. I listened, motionless and still, and as I mounted up the hill, the music in my heart I bore, long after it was heard no more. So let's start with a discussion of the historical context of this poem. The Solitary Reaper was written during the Romantic period, a literary movement that began in the late 18th century and continued into the mid-19th century. The movement was a complex and varied response to the Enlightenment, which prioritised reason and order. In contrast, the Romantics celebrated emotions often valuing medieval traditions and folk forms over classical ones. 
they sought out intense emotions that had been suppressed during the Enlightenment, including horror, terror, and the sublime, which they found in the awe-inspiring beauty of nature. Wordsworth, an influential figure in British Romanticism, was more subdued in his approach to the movement compared to his contemporaries. Unlike others who focused on themes of terror and awe, Wordsworth's poetry is less intense. While he believed that poetry arises from spontaneous overflows of powerful feelings, he also emphasised the need for distance and reflection, stating that emotion should be recollected in tranquility in order to create art. Essentially, Wordsworth believed that strong emotions were necessary for poetry, but the poet must have a certain level of detachment in order to process their emotion and create art. Wordsworth wrote The Solitary Reaper somewhere between 1803 and 1804, after visiting Scotland with his sister Dorothy. It was published in 1807. This time period was important for England, as it marked a transition after the radicalism of the French Revolution had resulted in violence and chaos. Many young English intellectuals had been initially drawn to the revolutionary ideals, but the failure of the revolution caused them to become disillusioned. During the first decade of the 19th century, Wordsworth also began to adopt a more cautious and conservative political stance, which he would maintain through the rest of his career. Although the speaker suggests that the Reaper's song may be related to political struggle, he portrays it as a song about old, unhappy, far-off things that does not address the political issues of her own time. The poem can be seen as an attempt to ignore its own historical and economic context. So I want to turn first to what this poem has to say about art. The Solitary Reaper is a poem about music, the song a Scottish girl sings as she cuts hay with a sickle. The speaker focuses on the transfixing power of the Reaper's mysterious song. He describes her song in elegant and slightly hyperbolic terms. It fills the valley with sound and she sings as if her song could have no ending. He also invites readers to share in his wonder and pleasure, asking them to stop here and listen. Yet he can't actually understand the Reaper's song and even cries out, Will no one tell me what she sings? He is either too far away to make out the words, or more likely the Reaper is singing in Scottish, or Scots, the national language of Scotland, which is closely related to but different from English. He wonders whether she's singing about some ancient epic battles, or simply the humble and familiar sorrows of everyday life. In either case, the speaker draws pleasure from the girl's song despite not knowing its specifics. For the speaker, the power of the reaper's song transcends cultural and linguistic divisions, allowing the speaker to feel connected to this solitary highland lass. The poem compares the power of the reaper's song to the power of poetry. As poets often refer to their work as song, the reader can interpret the speaker's reflection on the reaper's song as a reflection on poetry's power. 
The poem emphasizes the importance of music, suggesting that the rhythm and pleasure of language is what connects people. However, the claim also challenges the poem's own musical qualities, which must live up to the claim. Therefore, readers should pay close attention to the poem's form and how it organizes language to create music. Careful attention paid to the poem's form reveals something interesting. The poem is actually full of musical conflict. The first four lines of each stanza are roughly a ballad, a low, popular form, and likely the form of the reaper's song. The next four lines approximate heroic couplets, a more prestigious form from the 18th century. In this way, the poem alternates between high and low forms. It seems almost at war with itself, unable to establish a solid, steady musical structure. This shifting of form suggests that beneath its celebration of the Reaper's song's capacity to transcend cultural boundaries, the poet remains in some ways insecure about the capacities of poetry to do the same. The song simply creates the connection. The poem, to a degree, must work to do so. Thus, even as the speaker appreciates the transcendent beauty of the Reaper's song and of art to transcend all boundaries to offer connection, he struggles to capture such beauty on the page. And isn't it curious to think about the fact that he can't actually make out the words of the song? In the end, the poem highlights the challenge of capturing music through writing. In the second stanza, the speaker attempts to describe the girl's song using conventional metaphors, such as nightingales and the cuckoo birds, and romanticise imagery of exotic locations like the Arabian Sands or the Hebrides. However, he acknowledges that her song is more beautiful than these traditional depictions. Her music goes beyond the limitations of language and even the common poetic descriptions. So you could say that the speaker's poetry fails in two aspects. It cannot adequately describe the beauty of the song, nor can it summarise its content. This implies that the poem documents its own shortcomings. However, since the speaker suggested the possibility of creating a connection between his poetry and the girl's song, the poem could be interpreted as a call for a new kind of poetry that is better suited to represent the beauty of the reaper's song. This suggests the need for a new poetic language that can capture the essence of the song better than traditional poetry cliches. The final theme I want to talk about in this podcast today deals with nature. Wordsworth was a prominent representative of the English Romantic movement, which emerged in the 18th century and spread throughout Europe. This movement differed from the Enlightenment, which prioritised scientific reason by emphasising emotions that arose from solitary contemplation of nature. Wordsworth defined poetry as a serene reflection of intense emotions that arise spontaneously and are then recalled later. The Solitary Reaper is a poem that exemplifies Wordsworth's romanticism as the speaker reflects on a profound experience of nature from a tranquil distance. Even though the speaker does not understand the girl's song, he appears to admire her virtue and purity because of her simple way of life and her closeness to nature. The poem subtly implies the nobility and honesty of physical labour, such as that performed by the girl. The poem presents two sets of actions. On the one hand, the reaper cuts and binds the grain, 
and sings a melancholy strain. On the other hand, the speaker and the reader behold and listen. There is thus an implicit distinction between the reaper and the speaker in terms of their relationship with nature. While the reaper works directly on it, the speaker observes it and her from a distance. She is a participant while he is a spectator. It is implied that the reaper here is closer to a natural existence than the speaker. In terms of romantic thought, she is also therefore implied to be closer to the source of poetry itself, since poetry comes from nature. The speaker in The Solitary Reaper celebrates the reaper's closeness to nature, but this diminishes her involvement in human history and politics. The speaker views the reaper as an object of inspiration and separate from his own world's concerns. So it's time to finish up today's episode and say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this week's poem. Next week we will be featuring the poem Preludes by T.S. Eliot. To support our work, please subscribe to the podcast or to our YouTube channel. You can also visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. A video clip for this week's poem is now live on YouTube. Finish by listening one final time to the poem. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. The Solitary Reaper Behold her, single in the field, Yon solitary highland lass, Reaping and singing by herself. Stop here, or gently pass. Alone she cuts and binds the grain, And sings a melancholy strain. Oh, listen! For the veil profound is overflowing with the sound. No nightingale did ever chaunt more welcome notes to weary bands of travellers in some shady haunt among Arabian sands. A voice so thrilling ne'er was heard in springtime from the cuckoo bird breaking the silence of the seas among the farthest Hebrides. Will no one tell me what she sings? Perhaps the plaintive numbers flow For old, unhappy, far-off things And battles long ago. Or is it some more humble lay, Familiar matter of today? Some natural sorrow, loss, or pain That has been and may be again? Whate'er the theme, the maiden sang as if her song could have no ending. I saw her singing at her work, and o'er the sickle bending. I listened, motionless and still, and as I mounted up the hill, 
the music in my heart I bore, long after it was heard no more. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.